What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you with another solo video. Today, we are going through the week three matchup by matchup, start-sit decisions that you are going to be facing this week. We're going to go through every game, every position, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, talking about who you should start, who you should sit, maybe if you should pick up a certain guy on waivers, if you should drop a certain guy because he's no longer usable, talking to you, Rob Gronkowski, all that kind of stuff. So before we get into this, if at any point in this video, you guys feel like you received some value, maybe you got a, a, a conundrum answered about who you should start and who you should sit, hit the button that looks like this. Comment any of your uh, start-sit questions down below. We will be going live uh, before Thursday night football and before Sunday's main slate of games if you want to ask any questions uh, specifically there and maybe get more of a, a personalized approach to that. And then also subscribe to the channel if you're new and hit the bell icon because we post videos pretty much every day, as well as going live. Uh, you want to be notified when we go live as well. So we're going to hit the intro and then we're going to get right into this. All right, so we're going to start it off with Dolphins at Jaguars, probably one of the most Thursday night football games of all time, but it, I'm actually kind of excited for it because I like these two quarterbacks. They both are kind of brash personalities, and it's kind of fun. So uh, Gardner Minshew, uh, start him because he's had two back-to-back -back games where not only is he, has he had good volume and, and good uh, fantasy numbers, he's looked good too, just as an NFL quarterback, and he's entering must-start territory. If he keeps playing the way he does, We've seen two different sides to Gardner Minshew thus far. In week one, we saw him be efficient on low volume, which I didn't think we would see at all this year. And then in week two, it was the opposite, where we kind of just saw him throw the ball like crazy, and he had a pretty solid game regardless. So Fitzpatrick also in this game is a viable streamer over guys like – I would play Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game over guys like Jared Goff, over guys like Mitch Trubisky, over guys like Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater. The Jags defense got absolutely shredded by Ryan Tanhill, and I expect that to be a kind of a trend all season. From the running back uh, position in this game, Miles Gaskin is a starting running back, whether we like it or not, and he's in a relatively smash spot against the Jags defense, so I think you can fire him up as a flex option and a borderline top 30 running back in this game. If uh, On the screen right now, you'll see Miles Gaskin's kind of efficiency metrics as well as his snap share, 64.2% percent of the snaps a 2.66 efficiency rating 1.44 yards uh over expected per attempt 5.4 yards per carry 69 yards after the catch like he's actually been pretty good and I know it's the Dolphins running backs but I mean he's a starting running back in a, a good matchup so I think you can play him as far as James Robinson goes um he's a weekly starter officially I, I'm slightly lower on him than consensus because I I don't know why the consensus has him as like an RB 19 or whatever which I, I don't think he's that high up yet but he's still RB24 for me on the week after a 19-touch game where he, he looked relatively explosive in that game. And uh, he's fourth among rookie running backs in snaps. He had a 54% snap share, which was only behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, and Antonio Gibson, who I'll get to later. But um, yeah, James Robinson, you can fire him up. From the wide receiver position, uh, DJ Charkey, stardom. Uh, you can flex LaVisca Chenault, and I'd say you can emergency flex uh, Keelan Cole as well. Uh, from the Dolphins' perspective, you start Devontae Parker and you sit Preston Williams. Um, as far as DJ Chark goes, I know a lot of people are probably concerned, myself included, because I do own a lot of DJ Chark. I was very high on him. He was one of my, my guys uh, coming into the season. Uh, the Jaguars' wide receiver and target share snaps are, are as follows on here. DJ Chark is the clear number one guy. He's on the field the most. He's just not getting the targets. I don't think this is going to continue. I think he's eventually just going to – he's just going to get targets. Like, he's – it's his, it's, he is the number one guy. He is a buy low. He still looks great. It's not like he's playing bad or anything. He's just not getting targeted uh, for whatever reason. And that should change as Minshew and all these new pieces kind of come together and, and gel more. They're going to realize DJ Chark is the best guy on the team. So uh, LaVisca Chenault, in my opinion, just rest of season and in general, LaVisca Chenault over Keelan Cole all day. The snaps are close and Visca is just way too good uh, and way too versatile not to take over the number two role from uh, Keelan Cole, who currently kind of has it. Um, I would not be wasting waiver wire money on Keelan Cole. I think you can emergency flex him this week, but I think as the season goes on, maybe even starting this week, LaVisca Chenault is going to take over the number two receiver uh, role from him. 
And they're both, I mean, you can both start, uh, start them as like wide receiver fours or fives in this week. Uh, the matchups are as follows. DJ Chark seeing a lot of Byron Jones, who I don't know if he's going to play or not. If he doesn't play, he'll probably see a lot of Xavier Howard. Either way, I think DJ Chark is, is good enough to bounce, uh, bounce back and have um, a decent game against whoever it is. And then as you can see, Nick Needham against uh, Keelan Cole. That's why I say you can emergency flex him is because Nick Needham isn't very good. Um, and then uh, Chenault should see a lot of uh, Noeg Benogany if he is the, um, if Byron Jones is out. So uh, from the Dolphins perspective, Parker should bounce back after playing probably the two best corners in the league in shadow coverage the past two uh, weeks that he's played. Um, he's going to be facing CJ Henderson, according to PFF, in shadow coverage this week, but that's way easier than playing Stephon Gilmore and Tredavious White, who he's played the last two weeks. Preston Williams is a sit until further notice. I mean, like his ACL recovery is clearly not going well. He is not, he doesn't look like the same player. He looked explosive last year. He looked like just every bit as good as Devontae Parker looked. This year, he doesn't look good. He's dropping passes. He like, he doesn't look explosive. And on top of that, he's just, he, like Mike Gesicki is out targeting him. Like, I just don't want anything to do with, um, with Preston Williams right now. Let's, well, I'll, I'm hold on. Like, I'm going to hold on to him. Don't drop him or anything, but I don't want to start him personally. Um, tight end wise, uh, start Mike Gesicki. I was wrong, obviously. Um, he had a bonkers stat line in week two. And I said to sit him because, and this is my fault. What I failed to realize is that he's basically a slot receiver and not a tight end. So he did not see a lot of Jordan Poyer, who is an absolutely amazing coverage guy on tight ends. And uh, he obviously avoided that because he plays most of his snaps from the slot. As far as uh, Tyler Eifert on the Jag side, I think he could stream him. He gets six targets and a touchdown last week, which makes him streamable. It's pretty much all you can hope for, like 30 yards and a touchdown for Tyler Eifert. If you're in a pinch, I guess you could stream him, but there's probably way better options out there that you can uh, play. So on to Sunday's games, uh, 49ers at Giants. This is a battle of the injured teams <laughs> pretty much. Quarterback-wise, you don't play uh, the Niners quarterbacks, even though it's a good matchup against the Giants. Whoever plays quarterback for the Niners, Jimmy G or Nick Mullins, you sit them both. Um, Daniel Jones, I think you can stream. Uh, there's no, uh, as far as the uh, Niners quarterbacks, there's no weapons for the 49ers. So even if they win, it's probably going to be because of the run game. I don't think the Jimmy G or, or Mullins is going to have like a three-touchdown performance throwing a fucking whoever the hell they have there. Right now, Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Daniel Jones had a bad week last week, but without Saquon going forward, he should be in the position to throw the ball quite a lot, which they've already done, actually. Um, running back wise, Jarek McKinnon, fire him the hell up. It's, uh, and then uh, on the Giants side, I'm sitting all of them. All the Giants running backs that are not Saquon Barkley, obviously, because he's out. Uh, I'm sitting all of them. I think it's a tale of two situations here between these two backfields. I know McKinnon's getting the, the bulk of the work for the Niners, so he's my start of the week at, at running back. And the other two guys are my sit of the week at running back because I don't have, I have, I have no clue who to start between Freeman, Deion Lewis, Wayne Gallman. Like I have no clue. So um, I'm at like, this is a full blown committee in, in New York. I have no idea what's going to happen. We're going to have to see it play out. So I don't want to be starting uh, Devonte Freeman. Cause he just got there. He's probably going to have to take COVID tests. He might not even play in this game. Deion Lewis, like he had a lot of snaps last week, but he looked like crap. So I don't really want to start him either. And then Wayne Gallman, who can carry a full workload, and we've seen him do it in Saquon's absence last year, but he's not very good either. And this is not a great offense. It's not a great offensive line. I, I just don't want anything to do with this backfield. I hope you didn't waste like a crap ton of money on this backfield like some people did. I, I That was fool's gold in my opinion. So uh, wide receiver-wise, my start of the week at wide receiver is Darius Slayton. And uh, Golden Tate, I believe you can flex in this game. And then I'd say you could emergency flex Brandon Ayuk as well. Slayton versus whoever the Niners are going to throw at him is not going to end very well because Richard Sherman is on IR on top of the fact that the 49ers once feared front of Nick Bosa and, and Eric Armstead and, and D Ford and all these guys, they're all injured now. Like the front is decimated and DJ should have plenty of time to, to find his number one guy in Darius Slayton. Uh, and I also think Golden Tate can be played as well. He's a flex given that the Giants are number one in the NFL in neutral game script passing percentage at 61%. So when they're in a, in a game, they're not losing or winning. It's kind of just a close game. They throw the ball the most in the NFL and they just lost their run game in Saquon Barkley. So it's probably not going to go down from here. Uh, on the screen right now, you'll see the, um, the matchups, the cornerback matchups. As you can see, Darius Slayton expected on um, Emmanuel Mosley. It's not going to end well for him. And then Kwan Williams on Golden Tate. I mean, Kwan Williams is okay, but like, 
I think Golden Tate can get a rack up some catches. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, he didn't see a crazy amount of volume in his NFL debut, but he saw a 71% snap share and someone's going to have to catch it for the Niners in a pinch. I think you can flex him, but I don't really want to use him at all, to be honest. Uh, from the tight end position, uh, I think you could stream Jordan Reed as long as uh, George Kittle is out. We saw eight targets and two touchdowns from uh, George Kittle's backup, making him a streaming candidate as long as he's out. Evan Ingram is now the number two in this offense and potentially even the number one. He played almost 100% of the snaps last week and in, in week one as well. And with Barkley out now on a high-volume passing offense, as I mentioned, if he could stay healthy, he's going to be great this season. Obviously, that's been the case with uh, Evan Ingram his entire career. But especially this year without Barkley and them throwing as much as they have been, he's going to be really good. And he's gotten a lot of targets in the past couple of weeks that he's played. So um, Washington at Browns, on to the next game. Never start Dwayne Haskins. I know he looks a little bit better this year, but he's, he's still not good. So um, Baker Mayfield, I would also sit Baker Mayfield as well. I think the Browns line, although it does look improved, and Jedrick Wills is looking really good, to be honest, it, it still has a lot of new pieces, and it might be outmatched by this Washington front. There's a lot of – there's probably only like a couple offensive lines in the league that I don't think is going to be outmatched by Washington's front this year. So that's, that's more a compliment to Washington's front than it is a, a detriment to Cleveland's line because it, it does look a lot better than it did, uh, did last year. Plus – in general, Baker's just a low upside weekly uh, play anyways due to volume. I don't think he's throwing more than 35 pass attempts like three times this year. Like I think he's he's probably going to be within 20 to 28 pass attempts every game. And with that, like Baker's not like Russell Wilson. He's not going to just like have a super efficient game every week because he's so good. Like he's kind of just like an average quarterback at this point. So uh, unless he gets high volume, he's probably not going to be that good. Uh, from the running back position in this game, Antonio Gibson's my start of the week at the running back position, mainly because he leads the league in force missed tackles uh, among running backs with 20 combined carries and receptions. He is ahead of guys like Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs, Zeke Elliott, Austin Eckler, like everyone in the league is behind Antonio Gibson on force missed tackles per attempt. Um, from the Browns, pers- actually, I'll keep going on Gibson. I actually tweeted this out a couple, uh, couple days ago. Uh, of the snap share that he played in Washington. He played 65.15% of the snaps, which is obviously way different than what happened in week one with Peyton Barber playing like all the snaps and getting 17 carries and two rushing touchdowns. He had 22 passing uh, snaps, which I think was pretty uh, intriguing thinking that when I was watching the game, it looked like JD McKissick was the third down back, but 22, uh, 22 passing snaps to 13 means that Antonio Gibson is the primary passing down back as well. And 18 of those 22 were routes, meaning he was only in protection on four of them. While as McKissick's 13, eight of his 13 were, um, were routes, meaning he was in protection for more of his. Gibson, uh, at the time I tweeted this out, uh, the Monday night football game hadn't been played. So he is now first, but I said he had ranked third among running backs with minimum 10 carries and receptions on tackles avoided per attempt at 36%, which is basically what Ian Hart's tweeted out, but I just got there first. Um, but I think you're, you're going to be able to start this dude more often than not. I think he's RB20 on the week for me. And I think he's going to be, he's just going to continue to get better going forward. He had 11 touches in week one. He had 15 touches last week. I think he's just going to continue to uh, go up until he gets around that 20 touch range. And he's an explosive dude. He is so fast. He's so athletic. He can take anything to the house. And I know it's not a great offense, but if he's catching, as I mentioned uh, in the offseason, if he's catching five, six uh, passes a game and getting uh, like 12 to 14 carries, he's going to be fantasy viable with as good as he is. So from the Browns perspective, Chubb and Hunt obviously take a hit this week instead of going uh, against the Bengals run defense, which they just ran all over last week. They go to uh, Washington, which is much a much better run defense than uh, Cincinnati. Personally uh, on Kareem, obviously you sell, you start Chubb every week, but personally on Kareem Hunt, I mean, I don't think he's a must start this week. I know everyone's going to start him because he had an awesome week last week, but I think uh, – Kareem Hunt's kind of a sell candidate for me. I think I would sell him for someone like Antonio Gibson right now if I could, because and I think you can, because in most home leagues, people are going to look at Kareem Hunt had like a 25 point week last week and be like, oh yeah, I'll give you Antonio Gibson for Kareem Hunt. Like no problem. I think in the long term, even as early as this week, that's going to work itself out. And Antonio Gibson's going to be way more valuable than Kareem Hunt. So your, your window to buy Antonio Gibson is very, is going to close after this week, in my opinion. Um, from the wide receiver perspective, you start Terry McLaurin every week. You start Odell probably every week uh, for the most part. And Jarvis Landry, I think you can flex him in this game, but he hasn't looked particularly great uh, to start the season. Um, the shadow matchups came out shortly after I was um, done uh, writing all this up. So it does look like uh, Denzel Ward is going to shadow AJ Green. 
um, even though, or sorry, he's going to shadow Terry McLaurin because he shadowed AJ Green last week. So I think Terry McLaurin is, is good enough to beat Denzel Ward. Um, so it doesn't really bother me too much. Uh, from the Browns' perspective, uh, both Browns' receivers should have a decent game as Washington's defense, as I mentioned, is more susceptible to the pass than the run. They've been really good against the run and, and not so good against the pass. So I think uh, even though the Browns are fairly committed to running the ball, as, as Kevin Stefanski often does, I think, and they do it really well uh, at that, I think the passing volume does improve a little bit from last week where they just pretty much just didn't even let Baker throw it because they were running that wall all over Cincinnati. Um, the Browns receiver matchups are as follows. Uh, Odell going up against Fabian Moreau, who's actually had a pretty decent start to the season so far. And then Jarvis Landry going up against Jimmy Moreland, who's a second-year corner seventh round pick out of um, James Madison, I believe. So Jarvis Landry should get back on track in this game. And if he doesn't, I think that's really concerning. Uh, tight end wise, Logan Thomas, you can stream. Both tight ends don't really have that good of matchups this week, but according to uh, PFF, Thomas is like a streamable option uh, because he had nine targets last week. He still had nine targets, even though he didn't really have a good game. Austin Hooper is in a low volume passing offense and he is like the fourth option in the, as a receiver. So no thanks on Austin Hooper. I think he's borderline droppable at this point. He's, he's my sit of the week at the, uh, at the tight end position. Um, onto the Bengals at Eagles quarterback, Joe Burrow is my start of the week at the quarterback position. And Wentz, I believe you can stream in this game. Burrow's my start of the week going up against a defense that is dead last in uh, defensive DVOA and 31st in net yards per attempt through two weeks, despite playing against Dwayne Haskins and Jared Goff. So the Eagles defenses look like trash and it's not because they played against Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, like the Houston Texans defense, for example, neither team can stop anyone on defense. And although there's a chance that Miles Sanders just absolutely runs hog wild in this game and Wentz doesn't get many uh, touchdowns, uh, I still think Wentz can have a good game because the, the Bengals' defense isn't very good either. If faced with the choice, I would start Burrow over Wentz in this game, and I'd also start guys like Minshew, Tannehill, a couple other guys over Wentz as well. I think Wentz is more of like a quarterback 18 this week, and I have Burrow at quarterback 15. So that's just kind of uh, the relative range I have those guys. Uh, running back-wise, you start them both, Sanders and Mixon. Uh, Mixon's getting a little bit worrisome as a, as a fantasy asset, but he is virtually guaranteed 20 opportunities per week. Obviously we just hope that Gio Bernard goes away on the goal line and in the receiving game, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I think this is why I was off Joe Mixon was because I expected Gio Bernard to be involved. And I didn't see the top five upside that everyone saw for Joe Mixon. Everyone was like, Oh, he could catch 65 passes. I'm like, that's not going to happen because Gio Bernard's still there. So uh, from Sa um, the Sanders perspective, he stepped into the role that everyone hoped he would this past uh, off season when we were all gassing him up as this like first round running back. He saw 77% of snaps, 27 opportunities, including seven targets, a uh, 71% route rate. And he he's a locked and loaded RB1 going forward as far as I'm concerned. If he could stay healthy, he's going to be awesome this year. Uh, from the wide receiver perspective in this game, uh, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, I believe you can flex them both. Maybe start Boyd and flex Green. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think you can start in this game and I would sit Jalen Rager. Um, Green still had 13 targets, so I'll start him against the Eagles because that's a lot of volume, but, and it's a garbage pass defense, but it is worth noting that Darius Slay absolutely locked down Robert Woods last week and he is projected to shadow AJ Green. So, I mean, Green probably won't have too effective of a game, but if the volume is there, he'll probably still have a couple catches and maybe catches a touchdown and saves you. Um, Boyd, I think has the best matchup of the two receivers, obviously. Um, he's locked and loaded starter. I, I would take him if I was, if I had both Bengals receivers, I would start Boyd over green because green is going to get shadowed by Darius Slay. Um, as you can see in the, um, in the cornerback matchup, they have green on Slay and Boyd on Nikel Roby Coleman, who has the highest advantage on the week. T Higgins is someone you're going to need to keep on waiver wire speed dial because if AJ green looked anything like he did on Thursday night, um, T Higgins is going to get more and more playing time. Um, from the Eagles perspective, Rager hasn't really looked the greatest in terms of uh, just like talent wise, uh, nor has Carson Wentz for that, for that matter. But Deshaun Jackson is amongst the NFL leaders in air yards. So I'll definitely start him, but that's pretty much it for wide receivers. Deshaun Jackson going up against Darius Phillips. I think that's probably a smash matchup unless we see anything otherwise about him being shadowed by William Jackson, which I don't think is going to happen because I don't really use William Jackson against kind of average receivers like Deshaun Jackson. So Tight end wise, uh, Drew Sample is a streamable option. Uh, you saw he was thrust into the starting role after CJ Uzama went down and he got nine targets and a decent snap share. So, and he's a former second round pick. So he's obviously got some talent to him. I think he's going to be streamable weekly. 
uh, especially in this game where the Eagles just can't cover anyone. So I think this is going to be a relatively high scoring game. So I think a lot of these uh, options should be startable. Both tight ends for the Eagles, obviously you start them both. Um, I think they're startable every week. And uh, Goddard and Ertz should be about top 12 options each this week. So on to the next game, which is the Raiders and the Patriots. You do not start Derek Carr. I know he had a good game against New Orleans, but I don't think he's going to do it two weeks in a row. Uh, Cam, you start, I mean, he's, he's playing out of his mind right now, even though they didn't win that game. He, he played awesome. Uh, Cam is my quarterback six on the week as he is probably sure to run right through the spongy ass Raiders defense, uh, and carve up their, their pass defense in the passing game in a way that Drew Brees is new to last arm couldn't do last week because he's clearly washed up, uh, running back wise, uh, you, duh, you start Josh Jacobs. Jacobs is one of the few running backs in the NFL this year with, with McCaffrey and Barkley going down that has a chance to finish as the number one running back in fantasy. So that's how highly I think of Jacobs going forward. And never, ever, ever start a Patriots running back because Rex Burkhead led the paths in snaps and opportunities uh, this past week with James White out. Prayers up to James White, obviously, um, with the tragic loss of his father. And I haven't seen any updates on his mother, but apparently she's in critical condition as well. So definitely prayers up to James White. Um, but I don't want to start any of these dudes in this backfield ever, to be honest, because I think it's just week over week. It's going to be Sony Michelle one week, Rex Burkhead one week, James White the next week. Like it's just it's it's not worth the headache because it's not that great of a rushing offense anyway. Um, wide receiver wise, my sit of the week is both of the the Raiders wide receivers, uh, Ruggs and Edwards. Um, one thing I'd like to say for Henry Ruggs is all the people that dismissed the fact that Ruggs had air yards in this game were there because he had a missed touchdown by Derek Carr and a, pe- a pass interference penalty that was drawn by him are the same people that are holding on to pre-draft takes about Henry Ruggs and will turn around and use the air yards argument for guys like Deshaun Jackson and guys like Curtis Samuel. So if you can't, if you don't use the air yards argument for rugs, you can't use it for other people. You just got to be consistent. And that being said, you can't start rugs in this game. You just absolutely cannot start him until this rough patch of his schedule is over. I don't think you could start Edwards either. Um, after these next two weeks with new England and Buffalo, I think that's when you're going to be able to start these guys against Kansas city and going forward. Um, there, here's the matchups that they have. Uh, Brian Edwards is actually supposedly going to be shadowed by Stefan Gilmore, which I mean, he's just absolutely not startable at all. Henry Ruggs against JC Jackson. That's also not a great matchup. Um, as far as the New England side, Edelman proved to be exactly what we all thought, a target monster. So fire him up. 85% of the snaps and 12 targets. Okay. Nikhil Harry. Nice. Um, he was in my video on must draft second year receivers pre-drafts, and he's looking like the number two in this offense. As far as their matchups, um, Julian Edelman going up against LaMarcus Joyner should be advantage Edelman. And Nikhil Harry against Trayvon Mullen, that should be a good battle. We'll see how uh, Harry handles that. Trayvon Mullen, I think, is kind of underrated as a corner. I think he's actually not that bad. Um, and then tight end-wise for, the, uh, for this matchup, uh, duh. Like Darren Waller is the target hierarchy in, in Las Vegas is Darren Waller, everyone else. Like Darren Waller is the guy there. Don't worry about all these dudes taking away targets from him because they're not. It's Darren Waller's. Um, it's Darren Waller's passing offense. They're just living in it, and then never start a Patriots tight end, basically. So, on to the Bears at the Falcons. Uh, at the quarterback position, I think you definitely start Matt Ryan every week, and I think you can stream Trubisky in this game. I can't even imagine sitting Matt Ryan to be honest with the amount of uh, throws and pass attempts that this team is, is going to have this year. Like the defense can't stop anyone. They're just going to throw the ball to win. That's only their, their only option really, because they can't run the ball either. Um, Trubisky is a viable streamer because this Falcons pass defense, as I just mentioned is hot garbage. It's terrible. And literally any, anyone with a pulse can throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns against it. And we've actually seen Mitch Trubisky in general has been a pretty predictable streamer. When you think you can stream Trubisky, it's usually true because he usually just plays good against bad pass defenses like the Lions and the Buccaneers a couple years ago. Like he usually just does well against bad pass defenses. So I think you can fire him up as like a top 20 option in this week. Um, running, but don't watch the game because he, he's terrible as a real life quarterback. Uh, running back wise, I think you definitely can start Montgomery probably this week and every week going forward. I'd be sitting Tariq Cohen in this game, even though it's going to be probably pretty high scoring. And I think you flex Todd Gurley because I mean, Gurley sucks, but he's going to get his volume. So he's a low end RB two. We already saw him lose his pass catching role already in week two though. So he's not getting any more targets I'd imagine, or at least not a lot of targets. Um, Montgomery wise, uh, he saw 19 opportunities, which isn't new for him. He, he generally sees like a uh, pretty solid volume, a, but he saw three targets and he actually looked pretty explosive on them. So I think he sees an upgrade just from the fact that he looks better this year into firm RB two territory for me. I think he's in that RB 18 to 24 range 
based on whatever um, team he's playing. Uh, along with guys like David Johnson and Todd Gurley, I think he's kind of in that range with those guys. Um, I think his emergence downgrades Tariq Cohen, in my opinion, because you like you just never know when to start Tariq Cohen. And yes, this is a typical matchup when you'd be like, oh, I think you can start Tariq Cohen in this game, but he'll probably go out and have fucking two targets for five yards. Like Tariq Cohen is so inconsistent. I never want to own a guy like him on my team. Like even him, like him, James White, like Naheem Hines, like all these guys, I don't want to own them because you never know when to start these dudes. Uh, wide receiver wise in this game, you start the top three, Allen Robinson, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, you fire him up with no worries. Uh, I think you can also flex the tertiary guys, uh, Russell Gage and Anthony Miller in this game. The wide receiver cornerback matchups just don't even matter for this game because despite the Bears corner showing something, they can't hang with the Atlanta passing attack. I don't care who's, who Ridley has in coverage. I don't care who Julio has in coverage. They're going to torch them. Um, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller are both solid plays as well. If A-Rob doesn't perform this week, though, I am very worried because Allen Robinson hasn't really performed thus far in the season, but this is the game. This is his get-right game. So if he doesn't perform in this game, I'm a little concerned, and you should probably start uh, shopping Allen Robinson. Um, tight end-wise, absolutely disgusting uh, to start Jimmy Graham, but I think you can do it in a pinch. It should be a high-scoring game, so maybe Jimmy Graham catches a touchdown, but it's gross as hell. Uh, Hayden Hurst uh, might be my favorite sell-high candidate right now. I know I liked Hayden Hurst pre-draft, but I'm, I've kind of pivoted a little bit on Hayden Hurst because I think if you can get Gasecki, uh, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Johnny Smith, I would for Hayden Hurst because he's one broken play away from being absolutely useless uh, these first two weeks. And I think with Gage stepping up the way he has, I think he's going to emerge as the more consistent number three in this offense. And I think Hayden Hurst is going to be relatively inconsistent. So if you can, as I mentioned, if you can get Gasecki, Fant, Hawkinson, Johnny, um, maybe even like higher options like Hunter Henry. If you want to pair Hurst with someone like, I think it's worth it because I think Hurst is going to be a boomer bust option and maybe even more so bust than boom uh, most of the time. So uh, from the, uh, the next game, Los Angeles Rams at the Buffalo bills, Jared Goff is my sit of the week at quarterback. You absolutely do not play him against this bills defense and Josh Allen's an every week start based on the way he's playing. Um, Josh Allen may have taken a step as a passer folks. Like we, we will, we'll find out in this game because the Rams are actually a respectable pass defense defense, unlike the jets and the, um, dolphins that he's played the last two weeks. Uh, the, like the Rams actually held the Cowboys passing game in ta- uh, like in check and Josh Allen, if he's able to perform in this game, he might be on track to finish as like a top three quarterback. If he indeed took a step in the passing game, as I think he looks like he has. Um, not a chance though. I start Jared Goff against a top five pass defense. He Goff is completely matchup dependent streamer. So in this game, you don't start him because it's a bad matchup, uh, running back wise. I don't want to start either of the Rams running backs, to be honest. Uh, I would like to sit Brown and Henderson if I can help it. And from the bills perspective, I think you can flex both of them. But again, like, I think you should probably have better options than Zach Moss. So Singletary is really the one I'm more interested in that, uh, that Ram or that bills backfield. I don't know who to start for the Rams, as I just mentioned. So don't start any of them. If, you, if that's your conclusion, you don't know who to start, then don't start any of them. Brown is the guy I would assume I would pick if I had to pick one. Uh, if he plays, I think he gets the, the majority of the work. And if he's out, if he's out of this game, I'll flex Daryl Henderson, but I expect a committee if they both play and I don't want to start any of them in that case. I'm willing to flex both uh, the Bills running backs though, as I mentioned, as I know they're, they're both of their roles are pretty secure. Devin Singletary is the passing down guy. They both get similar carries in the rushing game and Zach Moss gets the goal line work. So it's pretty, it's pretty obvious who to start in that case. But I, as I mentioned, I would start Singletary because I think the Rams front is harder to run against than it is to get a pass catching running back out in space now that they lost Corey Littleton. Uh, but I'm not overly excited about it, either of the Bills running backs, as I mentioned. Uh, wide receiver wise, I think you can start both of the Rams guys, uh, Cup and Woods, and uh, you can start both of the top two Bills receivers as well. Um, expect the top two guys on each team to be downgraded in this game, though, because Tredavious White is going to shadow uh, Robert Woods, and Jalen Ramsey is going to shadow uh, Stephon Diggs. So I think the second option or the slot receivers in this uh, in this matchup will probably have the better game. So Cup and Smokey Brown will probably have the better games of the of the each receiver. Uh, so just keep that in mind and temper your expectations for guys like Woods and, and Diggs. I'm not sitting them, but I, I think uh, they won't have the greatest games in the world. Uh, tight end wise, duh. Like the way Tyler Higby is playing, uh, he's playing every good uh, every bit as good as he was playing last year, and he's a stud going forward. Uh, Dawson Knox, you can sit and probably even drop because he's playing like less snaps than he was 
in week one and he, he hasn't really been effective either. He hasn't looked that good. So uh, I think he's droppable on to the Texans at the Steelers. Um, this might be a gutty call, but I'm going to shit. I'm going to shit. I'm going to sit Deshaun Watson this week. I think you never sit Deshaun Watson, but I think this is the week to do it. This is the only matchup all season. I will sit Deshaun Watson in because if Will Fuller doesn't play, I am not fucking with this defense because this is the best defense in the NFL, in my opinion. And Deshaun Watson without Will Fuller spells trouble because he's going to have to play Superman. He probably will have a couple turnovers in this game. I just don't think he's going to have a very good game in general from Ben Roethlisberger's uh, perspective. I think you can start him with relative confidence on, uh, on Watson. I would play guys like Minshew, Tannehill, Burrow, Brady, Stafford, all over Deshaun Watson this week. If you can pick up any of those guys, if you're feeling really gutty, you could even consider guys like Trubisky, Fitzpatrick, or um, Justin Herbert in this game, because I, I don't want to play Deshaun Watson at all. And Ben's looking every bit like the 2018 Ben uh, that we saw last time he was fully healthy. So you can fire him up as a top eight option uh, in this game against the Texans pass defense that really can't stop anyone. Even though they did, the, the Texans' pass defense low-key kind of held Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes in check relative to Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes standards, but I still think they're not very good. So running back-wise, uh, DJ, you can start. Connor, you can start. We're seeing workhorse usage out of both of these guys, to be honest, and especially for David Johnson, as I'll have up on the screen right now. He's leading the NFL, or he led the NFL in running back snaps played of any running back in the league last, uh, last week. So as long as David Johnson's healthy, you, can, uh, you can't sit him based on volume. The amount of volume he's getting, you just absolutely can't sit him. Uh, I can assure you any value he has this week, though, will come as a receiver because the Steelers just cannot be run on. Melvin Gordon took advantage of him a little bit, but we saw Saquon Barkley get absolutely demoed in week one against the, uh, the Steelers' run defense. Uh, James Conner, you don't sit him as long as he's healthy either because he just gets volume. Uh, wide receiver-wise, I think you could start uh, both the, t- uh, the Steelers' top receivers – you could start Cooks, and I would sit Fuller whether he plays or not. The reason is because uh, – actually, I'll go to the Steelers guys first. Both the Steelers wide receivers look like every week starts, in my opinion. At this point, with Ben playing like Ben, how he has been playing, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, you just can't sit them. In the matchups this week, they have um, uh, Deontay Johnson on Bradley Roby, likely being sh- uh, shadowed by him, I think. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster on Eric Murray, that's not going to end well for either of those guys. Um Claypool might be the best stash in fantasy, to be honest. Like, if anything ever happens to Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster, he, like, he is ready to explode. He is looking like a, a super efficient player right now, and I think if he gets any more playing time, he's just going to be an awesome fantasy receiver because he looks like just a great receiver in general. Uh, On to the Texans side, low-key, the Steelers' defense is looking kind of like a pass funnel because you absolutely can't run against them, as I mentioned. So I expect Cooks to be a solid um, target option in this game. If Will Fuller plays, um, I, I'm not playing him, as I mentioned, because he's probably going to be either limited or, and it's just a bad matchup in general. So I don't really want to start Will Fuller if he plays. The projected matchups are as follows, though. Brandon Cooks against Steven Nelson is probably the best matchup on the field just because Brandon Cooks has actually looked good when he's played. And uh, Will Fuller against Joe Hayden, I don't really want anything to do with that. And then Randall Cobb's kind of just a shitty option, low upside in general, so I don't really want to play him either. Uh, tight end-wise, Jordan Aikens, low-key. He got the targets last week, and I know Fells got the touchdown, but Aikens is playing over 80% of the snaps for the Texans. So I think you could stream him pretty pretty consistently and with relative confidence based on the amount of snaps that he's playing. Eric Ebron, I think, is a, stream, a streamable option as well. You kind of just have to hope for a touchdown or a big play out of him. Um, so into the next game, the Titans at the Vikings. So Ryan Tannehill is an absolutely smash start in this game because the Vikings defense can't stop anyone like like short of like they didn't even stop real Phillip rivers last week. That's how you know that they can't stop anyone. You cannot start Kirk cousins in this matchup. You, I think Kirk cousins is droppable. You don't even need to roster him because there's far too many good options at quarterback this year to be starting a guy whose upside is 200 yards and two touchdowns basically, because without Diggs, he doesn't have 300 yard four touchdown upside anymore because Diggs is the deep threat. And you can see how good Diggs is by how he's playing in Buffalo. Like they miss Diggs clearly. And until Justin Jefferson becomes Stephon Diggs, which I don't think is ever going to happen, that you can't start Kirk Cousins. Tannehill, on the other hand, continues to put up efficient numbers in good matchups. And I expect that to continue with the Vikings squad that basically forgot how to play defense uh, from last year. They have great players on defense still with Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith and, and Eric Kendricks and Yannick Ngakwe, but they just can't play defense right now. Maybe Daniil Hunter needs to come back for them to remember how to play defense. But until further notice, they're one of the best matchups to attack in, uh, for fantasy receivers and quarterbacks. 
running back wise, I'm not giving any analysis on this. Done. Duh. You start Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook every week. Derrick Henry, no, I'm not worried about him because he doesn't have a touchdown. He still leads the league in rushing yards. Uh, wide receiver wise, Corey Davis. I think you could start with relative confidence in this game. As I mentioned, the Vikings corners just suck. On the on the screen right now, you'll see Corey Davis is going up against rookie Jeff Gladney, and I think he's probably going to make mince me to him. Adam Humphreys, I think you can emergency flex uh, Adam Humphreys without A.J. Brown in the lineup because I think Mike Hughes is who he's projected to go up against, and Adam Humphreys is a solid floor play. I don't think he has a huge ceiling, and he's not really sexy of a play, but you saw back in his, his days in Tampa, you could start him, and he'd actually get you a decent amount of points. And then uh, from the Vikings' perspective, duh, you start Adam Thielen, but you don't start anyone else. Tight end wise, uh, I'm going to use the word "duh" on Johnny Smith because don't say I didn't warn y'all, but I mean this dude's a bad man. Like late round tight end is king for this reason because Johnny Smith was screaming at you for the breakout. Uh, I tweeted this out uh, on Monday, but Johnny Smith led all Titans skill position players in snaps in Week Two, playing 54 out of 62 snaps, which is 87 percent, which is what George Kittle plays. And in uh, in my breakdown of Johnny Smith in the offseason. I said that when Delaney Walker was out of the lineup, Johnny Smith played like an 80% snap share, which is holding true thus far. He trails only Corey Davis over the first two weeks with 79% of the total snaps of the Titans offense. I'm willing to buy high on Johnny, as I mentioned, if I didn't already own him everywhere, because I own him in every league that I'm in. I'm in seven leagues. I own him in six because I mean, I just saw it coming. Like it seems so obvious to me. He is my tight end five rest of the season. He's awesome going forward. Um, on to the 4 p.m. games. And if, it seems like the NFL finally figured out that the, the smart way to do this is not to put 12 games on at 1 p.m. and three on at four. It's to balance it out. So I think we have five or six games on at 4 p.m. this week, which um, makes Scott Hansen's job a little bit easier. Doesn't have to stall as much. Um, the Panthers and Chargers are the first game that we have up on the 4 p.m. slate. Um, Bridgewater's a sit. Just don't play him against this Chargers defense. And Herbert's my stream of the week. If, if Anthony Lynn doesn't start Herbert, he is batshit crazy. If Herbert's the starter, he is the best streamer this week. I would play him over Carson Wentz, as I mentioned, and maybe even Watson if I'm feeling really gutty. But uh, I can't, if, if Anthony Lynn starts Tyrod Taylor after that performance that a rookie quarterback who had no idea he was going to be playing put out, he is batshit crazy because Tyrod Taylor is not good, not good at all. And Justin Herbert actually made this offense look somewhat exciting. Uh, and he reignited Austin Eckler, which I really appreciate. So running back wise, Mike Davis, I think you can flex him in this game. Austin Eckler, I think you can start with relative confidence in this game. And then um, Josh Kelly, I think you can flex in this game as well. Uh, Davis should fill 70% maybe of the volume that CMC got. Not his talent, obviously, but his volume. And he should be viable as a flex uh, starter for the next couple of weeks. Around that, Ronald Jones, Miles Gaskin, James, uh, maybe James Robinson is actually ahead of them. But the Miles Gaskin range is where I see Mike Davis. So hopefully you didn't blow like fucking $50 on him in, in your, uh, of your fab budget. I think he was more of like a $20 pickup that you can start going forward for the next couple of weeks while CMC is out. Um, I think it was great to see Eckler get back to his usual self in the passing game. Hopefully Justin Herbert keeps the starting job and he's able to foster that relationship going forward. As I mentioned uh, last week, Josh Kelly won't be startable every week, but I think this run defense is not good. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, and he should be uh, in for a solid 16 to 20 touches in this game, and you should be able to flex him from that perspective. Wide receiver-wise, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, you start every week going forward, in my opinion. Keenan Allen, you start in this game, especially if Justin Herbert's the starter. And Mike Williams, you sit, especially if Justin Herbert's the starter. DJ Moore will likely uh, stay on the outside uh, for this game. If Hopefully they... It's hard to predict what they're going to do with DJ Moore because if they keep him on the outside, he's going to be shadowed by Casey Hayward, which... Sounds a lot scarier than it is. Casey Hayward hasn't looked good in the, in the, the uh, first two games of the season. And Chris Harris has. So if they want to move DJ Moore to the slot on Chris Harris, they're probably doing him a disservice because he's probably going to do better against Casey Hayward. Uh, Robbie Anderson is like an every week start going forward, as I mentioned. High pass volume. He's the number two target in the offense. And now CMC is out. So Robbie Anderson just going forward is going to be a startable asset. Uh, he so, should see a lot of Michael Davis, um, especially while uh, – Chris Harris Jr. is in the slot on Curtis Samuel. So I think Robbie Anderson actually has the best matchup on the field in this game. And I think I would definitely start him with relative confidence. Keenan Allen, on, uh, on the other hand, should be the only guy uh, on the Chargers off, uh, passing offense that you start in this one. Hopefully Herbert starts, as I mentioned, because it seems that Tyrod Taylor, for whatever reason, favored Mike Williams. Uh, on the screen right now, you'll see the, uh, the passing matchups. Keenan Allen projected to go up against uh, rookie Jeremy Chin in the slot. And that's not going to end well with the way that Keenan Allen runs routes. 
Mike Williams, as I mentioned, I'm really not interested in starting him because Razul Douglas has actually looked pretty good in coverage. And I think he'll probably uh, play pretty well against Mike Williams, given that they're both kind of like physical players. Tight end wise, um, you can drop uh, Ian Thomas. It looks like Rule's offense doesn't feature a tight end. So I think he's droppable and don't even start him, consider him. I'd rather start Jimmy Graham over Ian Thomas in this matchup. Uh, Hunter Henry, duh, man. Like Hunter Henry has been the number two pass catcher on the team and he might continue to be. So uh, I think he's just been excellent thus far and he's received eight targets in each game. So definitely fire him up with, with high confidence as like a top eight tight end. All right. On to the Jets and the Colts. You sit both of the quarterbacks because they're both trash. Uh, Rivers in an absolute pinch, but other than that, don't start him. Frank Gore is an emergency flex because I mean, Frank Gore saw 21 carries last week. And the only reason you can emergency flex him is because he saw 21 carries. So I don't want to start him, but I think he's like a top 40 running back this week. Jonathan Taylor is, is quickly becoming like a top six running back in fantasy. If he continues to get the workload that he just got. Uh, Naheem Hines is my city of the week. Do not start Naheem Hines. Like surprise, surprise. Naheem Hines wasn't relevant after week one. I, I said he was fool's gold. I didn't, I said, don't waste your waiver wire money on him. He's not going to be good. Jonathan Taylor is the guy in this backfield. JT is a top six to eight running back going forward, as I mentioned, and the snaps reflect that. Jared Smola of, of Draft Sharks tweeted this out shortly after the game. 67% of the snaps, as well as 28 running back opportunities in this backfield. This is his job. Um, as I mentioned, it's cash. Like, it, like Hines is droppable, in my opinion, because even if he has a decent game, you flex him the next week and he screws you over. You have no idea when to start him. He's in that Tariq Cohen, James White range where I just don't want him on my team. I'd rather own a guy like Alex Madison, who if Dalvin Cook goes down is going to be like a top 10 running back. I, I don't want any of these pass catching guys because I have no idea when to start them. I think you can float Naheem Hines out in a trade and see if anyone bites or you can use him as like a sweetener. Otherwise just drop him because I think he's just completely useless. Uh, wide receiver wise, never jets, never start a jets receiver, especially without um, Jamison Crowder there. Um, I think you can flex T.Y. Hilton and you can emergency flex Michael Pittman with um, Paris Campbell out. Uh, Pittman's thrust into the number two role and Hilton isn't playing very well. So there's room for Pittman to become the number one in the offense on the screen right now. You'll see the wide receiver cornerback matchups. T.Y. Hilton going up against Quincy Wilson is, is a bit of an advantage for T.Y. Hilton because Quincy Wilson is very good. And Michael Pittman against, uh, I don't even know who that is, but Michael Pittman should, uh, should eat him alive because I've never even heard of that dude. The Jets are just throwing out random names. I don't even think are real people out there. Uh, tight end wise, Chris Herndon um, is a clear cut starting tight end. So I think he's streamable from that perspective. And Mo Ali Cox, the same thing with Jack Doyle out. Mo Ali Cox is the clear cut starting tight end. And they're both on teams with a lack of receiving options. So they should be good from that perspective. So I think both of them are streamable in this matchup, probably as like um, mid tier tight end twos, like tight end, I don't know, 17 to 15 range for both of these guys is where I have them ranked. Uh, the Col uh, next game, Cowboys and the Seahawks. This is a big one for fantasy production. Duh and duh. They're my quarterback one and two on the week. Russ is my quarterback one on the week. And um, Dak Prescott's my quarterback two on the week. Running back wise, duh and duh again. You start Chris Carson and you start Zeke Elliott. It looks like Chris Carson is back to his, his full workload with 20 touches in week two and a 63.5% snap share in the Seahawks backfield, which is something I was low-key worried about coming out of week one where he only got six carries. I thought there was a chance that they were going to use Carlos Hyde more on the, on the ground than they did in week two. So that's good news for Chris Carson. Wide receiver wise, I mean, literally all, 20, all five of these guys, the main wide receivers in this game are top 25 receivers for me on the week. I think this game is going to be an absolute barn burner. It's the highest uh, over under on the week. CeeDee Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, likely one of these guys may disappoint you, but maybe not. Uh, maybe if Dalton Schultz could piss off, then none of them disappoint you. But the, the matchups are as follows. Um, CD Lamb going up against Ugo Amadi. That should be an advantage Lamb. Amari Cooper against Shaquille Griffin, advantage Cooper. Um, Michael Gallup against Quentin Dunbar. That one's a little bit close. If I had to guess, I would say Gallup is the guy that disappoints this week. But I mean, there's a chance that none of them disappoint. So on the Seahawks side of things, both of the Seahawks top two receivers are top 10 for me on the week. Tyler Lockett going up against Jordan Lewis. He, Tyler Lockett's my wide receiver eight this week. I think this is a Lockett week when last week it was a Metcalf week. Uh, Metcalf though, going up against Cheeto Ouzier. I think it's, um, I still think it's an advantage Metcalf. Tight end wise, uh, Dalton Schultz, I think you can stream in this game. As I mentioned, I think if Gallup disappoints, Dalton Schultz probably had a good game and vice versa. Um, and you sit all the Seahawks tight ends because in a potentially high scoring game, as I mentioned with Schultz, it gives you a piece of, uh, of the game and some exposure to it but I don't really want to start him if I can help it. He's like a tight end 19 for me on the week. 
Uh, on to the next game, Lions at Cardinals. Uh, Quarterback-wise, you can fire them both up. This is the second highest over-under on the week at 54-and-a-half. Um, Lions have been absolutely brutal against the run. Kyler should have an absolute field day on the ground in this one. And if Kenny Galladay plays, Stafford's a top 15 quarterback option for me. And this, if he doesn't, I think he's still streamable as a top 20 guy. Uh, running back wise, um, Kenyon Drake, I think is going to have a big bounce back in this game. Uh, he's like my, he's like my running back, like six on the week, which is like six spots higher than consensus has him. I think he's going to just go hog wild against this defense. And, uh, Deandre Swift is, uh, an emergency flex in this game. I think, from Drake's perspective, I think he's one of the best buy lows in fantasy right now because after going against two of the, the best run defenses in the NFL, the Niners, when they had everyone, were one of the best in the NFL. Uh, now they don't, obviously. but And then the uh, Washington football team having Chase Young and all those guys up front, not a great matchup for Drake. But I think against the Lions, they're like uh, one of the better run funnel defenses in the league according to some of the metrics I've seen thus far. So Drake should have a huge bounce back game in this one. Um, as far as the Lions running backs go, um, it's kind of gross still, but Swift is still the guy to own in this backfield. I don't want to start him if I can help it. Uh, he is still running the most routes uh, with 13 um, of any running back on, on the Lions roster. Uh, Jared Small also tweeted this out shortly after the game. He's only running 34% of the snaps, so which is why I don't want to start him quite yet. Even though he did get the most opportunities and uh, from carries and targets, I, I'm still just holding Swift. Don't Don't drop him. Don't trade him. Don't um stardom though either I, I wouldn't be starting him if i can help it he's more in that like run, like he's in like the top 40 running back range if your other options frank gore then i would start deandre swift but other than that you should probably have a better option to start um wide receiver wise in this game galladay is expected to be back in this game and if he is back i would flex him not start him necessarily because he is coming off an injury obviously he was like your third round pick so you might not have a choice but to start him uh, Marvin Jones as a flex option, especially if Kenny Galladay is back. I really like Marvin Jones in this game. Um, and then duh, and DeAndre Hopkins, you start him every game. Uh, Galladay, as I mentioned, I don't want to say he's an automatic start because he is coming off an injury and he's likely going to be shadowed by Patrick Peterson as well if he plays. I feel comfortable starting Jones if Galladay is back and taking away Patrick Peterson. If, if Galladay doesn't play and Marvin Jones is the only guy, I don't want to start Marvin Jones. But if Galladay plays, I feel really comfortable starting him because um Galladay is on the field to draw attention away plus he's just taking away Patrick Peterson as I mentioned uh I'm not necessarily willing to start anyone other than Hopkins in the Arizona receiving core but I guess you could emergency flex um Kirk or Larry in a pinch as you could see there they have Kirk on Jeff Akuda, who's a rookie who didn't really have a good game in his first um start and then Daryl Roberts on Larry Fitzgerald probably shouldn't end well as also but as you could see DeAndre Hopkins just has like the best matchup on the field because he's just a stud uh t- tight end wise TJ Hawkinson, I think you can, it'll be interesting to see how uh, TJ Hawkinson does with Kenny Galladay back. Um, what, whether his like, cause his involvement isn't that great. It's like 50, like just over 50% of snaps. Like he should be being involved a little bit more than that with uh, Kenny Galladay out and then uh, never start a Cardinals tight end. Obviously um, the Cardinals have not been the cake matchup that uh, of tight ends that they were last year. So that is something to monitor with TJ Hawkinson. If you just assume that he's like, Oh, he's playing the Cardinals. They're terrible against tight ends. That's not necessarily how it's worked thus far this season. On to the Bucks and the Broncos. Quarterback Tom Brady. I think you can start him in this game, but I, especially with Chris Godwin back, it definitely helps him out a lot. And then whoever starts for Denver, whether it's Blake Bortles who they're bringing in or Jeff Driscoll, you sit him. I think you don't want anything to do with the Bucks' pass defense right now. They're playing with their hair on fire and they're just shutting down everyone. Uh, Brady, as I mentioned, should get back on track with Godwin coming back, but. Um, that sounded like a, a bunch of rhymes there, but this could be over early in this game. And I expect we see a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in the second half. So I don't think Brady has like tremendous upside in this game because any upside that he has, will probably be realized in the first half when it's still a close game. And then they're probably going to run away with it after that might get some defensive scores that limit Tom Brady's, uh, upside as well. I think running back wise, you flex Fournette and you can emergency flex Ronald Jones. Um, and then you can uh, start Melvin Gordon, even though it's a terrible matchup. I think the volume is, is too good to, uh, to turn down here. He drew a tough schedule going up against the two best run defenses in the league, in my opinion, in back-to-back weeks in the Steelers and the Bucks. But uh, receiving work for Melvin Gordon should help buoy him against Tampa Bay, as he might have a dud in this one, though. So you might want to keep, uh, keep an eye out for that. I wouldn't be playing him in any DFS lineups or anything like that. Uh, the Bucks backfield is still relatively muddy. I don't think, I think the fantasy community just believes this is Leonard Fournette's job. Um, Arians did mention saying uh, about Leonard Fournette that he doesn't know if he knows the playbook well enough to be the starting running back. And while Arians' words haven't really meant too much yet, 
he has kind of been on track with what he said. So I don't think they're just going to thrust Leonard Fournette into a starting role. I think it's going to be kind of a split backfield again this week. But I mean, if Ronald Jones fumbles another snap or hit miss another blitz pickup, it's probably curtains on that running back job. And I'll definitely take that one on the chin for that because I believe Ronald Jones was going to be an awesome uh, running back this year. And he's kind of proven me wrong with the mistakes he's making. And the fact that Arians is just, um, just willing to forget. It seems weird that Arians is willing to forgive LaShawn McCoy for literally dropping a wide open touchdown when Ronald Jones fumbled the snap that was kind of half Brady's fault. And Ronald Jones is just like bench now. So on the screen right now, you'll see what the running back snap counts were. As you see, Leonard Fournette did outsnap Ronald Jones. And it wasn't even really all that close once the fumbled handoff happened uh, between Tom Brady and Ronald Jones. Fournette assumed a way bigger role in the offense, outsnapping him 58% to 26% after that fumble. So I still think you can flex Fournette this week, but an emergency flex Ronald Jones given the projected game script that they're going to see. But I still think the script or the split will be closer than people think if they assume it's just outright Leonard Fournette's job. He's running away with this backfield. He's a three down workhorse like he was in Jacksonville. I don't think we're there yet. Maybe we get there, but um, I could anticipate Ronald Jones holding him off for a little bit longer. Uh, wide receiver wise, fire up both Bucks receivers as top 12 options. And I think you can flex Jerry Judy uh, in this game without, uh, with Cortland Sutton now out for the year. Um, Scott, um, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans going up against uh, Isang Who? Like Chris Godwin is going to smash in this game against uh, Isang Bassey in the slot. And Mike Evans should have a great game against Michael Ojemudie as well. Um, I think that if these two guys have a great game, obviously Brady is going to have a good game, which is why I think you can start Brady, even though I think this could be a run-heavy game script. These two guys could catch a long bomb touchdown each in the first quarter. And then, then it's a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette after that. But uh, on the Broncos side of things, Jerry Judy going up against SMB. Um, I mean, that's probably the best matchup on the field, I would say, because uh, Dean and Davis have just been really good so far this year. Uh, but I've said don't fuck with, don't fuck with the Bucks' pass defense so far uh, so far this year because they look like they're like a top five pass defense in the league. But Judy should get volume, so I think you can start him if you need to. Uh, as far as the Bucks tight ends go, I don't really want to start any of them. But uh, the two Bucks tight ends are both streamable in a pinch. The guy I would choose is OJ Howard because I mean, o- like Gronk is droppable. Like he he just is not involved. He looks like crap too. He looks slow. He looks sluggish. He's basically a sixth offensive lineman out there. So I wouldn't be streaming Rob Gronkowski. OJ Howard at least gives you big play opportunity. And he's just like a better athlete at this point in his career than Rob Gronkowski is. So that's why I would pick Howard as like a top 20 tight end, but I'd rather stream a guy like Logan Thomas or something over, over OJ Howard. Uh, Noah Fant is looking like the stud tight end. He was drafted to be in the first round and with Sutton out now, I think he's going to become a focal point of this offense, Noah Fant. And if I had to pick a guy, if someone's going to um, screw, us, uh, screw us this week on defense, it's going to be Noah Fant, not uh, Jerry Judy, if I had to guess. So on to Sunday night football. We're almost done here. I know this was a long, uh, long show, but we're getting through it. Um, Quarterback-wise, Drew Brees, meh, and um, Aaron Rodgers start. I am very worried about Drew Brees. Uh, he had like an okay uh, stat line against the Raiders, but I'm selling him if I can and capitalizing on the big name value if I, if I can while he still has it because this dude is washed. Like I'm willing to bet that famous Jameis gets in there as the Saints starter at some point this season because Drew Brees looks that bad in my opinion. Like he's missing layup throws and Drew Brees is like the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. He should not be missing slant routes to Emmanuel Sanders and check downs to Alvin Kamara, which he was missing last, uh, last uh, Monday against Las Vegas. So if Jameis starts games, I mean, it's going to scare the crap out of me as a Bucks fan because Jameis is a good, a good quarterback who has a turnover problem. And if someone can fix it, it's, it's Sean Payton in the, uh, the Saints system. So that scares the crap out of me if Jameis is going to be the starting quarterback soon, which I expect to happen. Maybe you, I'm probably going to get some hate for that in the comments, just hating on Drew Brees, but he, like, he looks bad. Like go watch the game in condensed form. Like he doesn't look good. Um, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, I am willing to start Aaron Rodgers, but let's not pretend that the, the first two games of Aaron Rodgers revenge tour were against the Vikings and Lions defenses. Like the saints have a good defense. Like if Aaron Rodgers does this against the saints, then I am fully going to buy in that this is the revenge tour that Aaron Rodgers is on. But the Saints are a really good defense. They are not the Lions or the Vikings. And I expect Aaron Rodgers to have a bit of a down game in this one. So he's like a top 15 quarterback for me, but he's not like a top eight option like ECR has him. Uh, running back wise, duh, duh. You start Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara. And you sh- I would sit Latavius Murray in this one. The 15 rush attempts were a farce, as I suspected in uh, week one. 
I figured it was just a result that Latavius Murray was running better against the Bucks defense and uh, Alvin Kamara wasn't really running that good against them. So that's why I said just fade Latavius Murray this past week. And it kind of worked out that way with the three carries that he saw on Aaron Jones. I have to take a bit of a victory lap here because I was a lot higher on Aaron Jones than a lot of people and many people who I really trust their opinion. Uh, and I think they're a great fantasy analyst. We're off Aaron Jones this, uh, this past season. And my, my thing is, I just don't want to bet against uber-talented players. Are there five more running backs in the NFL that are more talented than Aaron Jones? Probably not. Like, it's not smart to bet against a guy that's that good. We could talk about regression this and regression that, but some dudes just find the end zone, and that's what Aaron Jones clearly does. And we want to give Matt LaFleur crap for a bunch of things, but he knows how to use Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones's role is secure. It's smart the way he's being used. He's being used as Alvin Kamara, as Austin Eckler, like 20 touches a game, let him be super efficient. Let him stay fresh on 55% of snaps like he's playing. He's not playing 80% of the snaps like David Johnson or like some of these other running backs. Aaron Jones is in a role where he can be fresh and he can be effective. So, and better yet, Aaron Rodgers trusts Aaron Jones, which we've seen as an actual narrative that actually proves to be true. Aaron Jones and, and Devontae Adams are the two guys he trusts most in this offense. And you can see that. Aaron Jones leads the league in red zone targets. He's a running back and he leads the league over Mark Andrews and Darius Slayton and, and Mike Kosicki and, and Russell Gage, the guys that are up here and Devonte Adams, his own teammate who should be used heavily in the red zone. Like Aaron Jones has six red zone targets in two games, which is just a, and a crazy amount for a running back. So wide receiver wise, duh, you start um, Devonte Adams, even though he's likely going to be shadowed by uh, Marshawn Lattimore in this game. I think because of that, that makes Alan Lazard flex worthy, even though the Saints pass defense is a good one. I think Lazard could probably see some targets with uh, Lattimore being glued to Devontae Adams. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I think you sit in this game because he's likely going to see Jair Alexander, maybe not as a shadow corner, but just as a projection for PFF. That's who they expect to have uh, Jair Alexander on is Emmanuel Sanders. Plus, I mean, three targets from the noodle arm last week uh, isn't really an endorsement against one of the worst defenses in the league in the, in the Las Vegas Raiders. If Emmanuel Sanders didn't perform last week, he's probably not going to perform in this game because the Packers defense is actually good. So I don't think he's going to be very good in this one. Uh, tight end wise, I think you start Jared Cook. He had a bit of a down game target wise on Monday, but he should bounce back in this one. Uh, in the second highest projected uh, advantage for a tight end against Christian Kirksey per PFF, uh, Jared Cook should smash in this game and then just don't start any tight ends on the Packers ever. Um all right. I'd like to talk about this last game a little bit more than I can, but I mean, frankly, the fantasy options are just so obvious in this game. Chiefs and Ravens, duh. You start both quarterbacks because it's Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes. Running back wise, duh. You start, um, I expect a down week on the ground again for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I think he should be good uh, from a receiving perspective. Um, and then as far as the Ravens running back goes, uh, I think you can flex both of them. But uh, before this past week, Ra uh, Ravens offensive coordinator, Greg Roman came out and said, that there's no exact science to the Ravens backfield. They're, it's just going to be a different guy every week. And we like to pe pe keep people guessing using a hot hand approach, which kind of favors JK Dobbins because he is going to be the hot hand more often than not, because I think he's just the most talented running back in the backfield. So that, that does kind of favor JK Dobbins, but it does mean they're not just going to be like, Oh yeah. Like JK Dobbins is their starter. Because if they said something like that, JK Dobbins would be like a top 15 running back for me uh, going into this game. As I mentioned, the rookie running back snaps that I showed for, um, a guy like James Robinson, I mean, JK Dobbins at the very bottom of this with 31% of the snaps. So as I mentioned, hot hand works well for JK Dobbins as he's shown to be the most efficient back in this backfield. But I think it's likely going to take an injury to one of these three Gus Edwards, Ingram or Dobbins for any one of these guys to be an RB one type, like every week starter. I think both of the main guys, Ingram and Dobbins can be flexed most weeks. And especially this one, it's a good matchup, high scoring game. Uh, run funnel defense. Um, so I do think you can flex both of these guys, but neither of them are going to be like top 15 options unless one of the other gets injured. I think um, wide receiver wise, I think duh, you start Tyree kill every week. And I think you can emergency flex Nicole Hardman if Sammy Watkins misses this game. And I think you can start Hollywood Brown in this game with relative confidence as well. Uh, I think this will be a high scoring game for sure, but I think the receivers may not be the reason. As I mentioned last week for the uh, chiefs and chargers game, I think this is another quintessential Travis Kelsey game. I think Travis Kelsey and CEH in the passing game are probably going to buoy the Saints offense along with Tyree Kill, or not the Saints offense, the Chiefs offense. And then the Ravens wise, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, the Ravens running backs, Lamar Jackson on the ground and Mark Andrews, like it usually is. But Hollywood Brown should have a solid game as he's going up against uh, 
um, Legereus Sneed, who's a fourth round rookie. Uh, it's probably not going to end well. I know Legereus Sneed has two picks on the season already, but uh, Marquise Brown's probably just going to absolutely wipe the floor with him. On the Chiefs side, as I mentioned, uh, Sammy Watkins they have as a projected starter, but I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to play based on how early he uh, left the game. That'll be definitely something to monitor with practice reports. Uh, Miko Hardman going up against Marlon Humphrey isn't a good sign, but I mean, Marlon Humphrey has struggled thus far in the season. So hopefully Miko Hardman could take advantage of him and maybe break a big play. Um, Mahomes, for what it's worth, hasn't really thrown the ball downfield a lot this season, which is kind of strange. Hopefully that changes in this uh, in this game for people who own Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Miko Hardman and stuff. But for people like me who own a lot of Clyde edwards helaire I'm actually kind of fine with him not throwing the ball deep. Um, and then the tight ends, like obviously, like you start both Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. They're my top two tight ends on the week and I don't anticipate that changing. So that was a long-winded uh, matchup preview. These will probably get shorter as we approach bye weeks and all that kind of stuff. But if you enjoyed this video, as I mentioned, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, hit the bell icon so that you're notified when we post videos and when we go live before primetime games and before the Sunday slate, comment any start sick questions uh, down below, or if you want to, you can just save them for the live streams and me and Daniel answer them there. Um, yeah. Uh, join the discord as well. Cause you can answer, uh, get some of your questions answered in there as well. And uh, as well, uh, we don't, charge you guys for anything. So check out our affiliate links for Thrive Fantasy and uh, Trophy Smack if you're looking to get a trophy for your uh, league champion. Um, we got some big things coming in terms of a sponsorship. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, but without further ado, guys, take care and enjoy your Wednesday.